You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Appreciate the Redeems Fellowship. seated. Help me tell someone, you are already here. Get the best of the moment. Sometimes, God has to set us up for a blessing. Because on our own, we might never walk into the plan of God. So God uses certain things to set us up, push us into his will for us. In the same way, Satan attempts to use circumstances to distract us from God's plan for us. We find situations where God is trying to get the attention of someone. And the person doesn't seem to get it. I believe that this meeting is a setup for your blessing. It's a setup for the next thing that the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. When you understand that God is running a program, that there's an agenda, He's working on something, and they're lined up one after the other. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Let's read the last part together. Which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. That means, it's not now God is thinking of what to do for you tomorrow. No, 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 no. There are things he had ordained before. Hallelujah. That you should walk in. So through meetings like this, he's propping you, urging you, nudging you to enter into that path that God has ordained for you. And there's something about being where God wants you to be. There's something about experiencing what God wants you to experience. There's something about seeing what God wants you to see. May your eyes be open to see, to hear, to know. The meeting will hold tomorrow and the day after. 
just being in this environment, wholeness and restoration is already happening. Just being seated here, you're already recovering. If there was a loss, you're already recovering. If there was a setback, you're already recovering. Just by being here. The Bible told us in Luke 5, 17 about Jesus and what happened in his ministry. He says, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and let's read that part together I want to go and the power of the Lord was present it didn't say the power was coming it was present I stand bold to say that that power is present today To heal, to save, to deliver, to help. And as you're listening, you're being helped. A fellow was in a meeting and he slept off. When he woke up, he was healed. How do you explain that? Just being in the atmosphere is already a blessing. Thank God you are here. This evening, faith will be stirred in your heart. You will be stirred up and then you'll be taught. And when we're done, you'll be better. There's room for improvement. The Bible says the path of the just is as the shining light. It shines what? So you'll be better next month than you were this month. Is that not how it's supposed to be? There'll be an upgrade. In your life. I want to share one verse of scripture with you. But before I get there. I want you to know. That. Receiving your healing or receiving your miracle. Is not dependent on God. Is not even dependent on me. It's dependent on you. Because healing is available right now. Did you hear me? If you want it, take it. I said if you want it, you take it. Praise God. You take it. 
So most times people come for a meeting. And they don't take. When the Bible says, Thou preparest a table before me, in the presence of my enemies, He didn't say you should wait for your enemy to tell you to eat. Your enemy is not going to tell you to eat. The table was prepared for you. The enemy is supposed to be watching while you are eating. But a lot of believers don't understand that. And then they are saying, um, can I eat? So he has prepared a table today. What do you do? You eat. Amen. On that table, there is healing. On that table, there is divine health. On that table, there is admission. On that table, there is scholarship. On that table, there is promotion. On that table, there is peace. On that table, there is employment. On that table, there is a spouse. On that table, there are children. Are you listening to me? On that table. That it's a complete table. One of the translations says a six-course meal. What it's trying to imply is that on the table, anything that you can eat is available. God that could furnish a table in the wilderness. You know what it means? In the wilderness, there's nothing. You're living far from town. You might not be able to get everything you need, but God fed them in the wilderness. He set a table for them in the wilderness. Much more today. Amen. I said much more today. There's a furnishing for you. So you will eat. Are we together? Don't wait like the woman that waited for the crumbs to fall from the table. Say, oh, you know, oh no, no, no. Say, even if, even if, you know, when the crumbs fall from the table, at least. He said, no, no, no. You're not a dog. You're a child of God. Are we together? Alright? Because Jesus has said, unbelievers, sorry, Gentiles, in the day that Jesus lived in, were called dogs. That's why you see a scripture that says, beware of dogs. They are Gentiles. They are those that are not part of the covenant. So the argument Jesus was said, the bread does not belong to you. It belongs to the children. He said, but even the dogs eat from the ones that fall from the table. That means that she was persisting. Uh, even if I'm not in the covenant, there's something for me at least. How much more you in the covenant? Amen. So let me tell two people that your table is set. So what will you do? <laughs> you eat. Your table is set. Your table is set. There's someone here with blood vision. In the name of Jesus. That darkness over your eyes, it lifts. I command your eyes to begin to function normally. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blood vision. You're free in Jesus name. So the table is set. It is set for you. I want you to sit down this evening and every other evening like you are the only one in this hall. And stop thinking about they're talking to somebody else. No, God is talking to you. Here, like you are the only one here. Should I say listen 
like you are the only one here. Stop listening for somebody. Receive. What we're sharing is more than money. Are you, are you with me? It's more than money. So receive. Glory to God. Alright, the scripture, you know, that I, I just want to mention to you. And um, we'll just be around there for a while. And then we'll minister today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you are born again? You've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If Jesus walks into this room right now, you are sure that you're going with him. Lift your right hand up. Amen. Okay. Put your hand down. You know you are in church, as they say. All right, but, you know, <laughs> let me say this to you. Um, if you are here and you are not sure that if Jesus walks in here, you're going to be with him. I don't know what you're waiting for. All it takes to have that sure, sureness or assurance or certainty is by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Are we together? And you can receive him tonight. Praise God. Why would you come here and live here without receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? So let me look at your neighbor and say, have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? <laughs> hold your neighbor's hand. Just hold somebody's hand. Hold somebody's hand. Look into the person's eyes. And say, I'm going to ask you this only once. Have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Bow your heads everywhere. Bow your heads. All eyes closed. If you're here and you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, allow me pray for you and pray with you now. And I, I, I want to assure you that it will be the best decision you made. So, all heads bowed. Lift your hand above your head. Yes. You want to receive Jesus Christ? Yes. Lift your hand above your head. Just lift your hand. I'll pray with you now. Don't look at anybody. Just lift your own hand. God bless you. Lift your hand. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Lift your hand. Yeah. I will pray with you if your hand is up. Thank you. Now, if your hand is up, just pray this prayer sincerely with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart that you died for my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. From this day henceforth, I receive forgiveness for all my sins. All things are passed away. All things become new. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Lift your head. Praise the Lord. I want us to start on a particular slate. Let me ask the second question. 
how many of you um, have received the Holy Spirit? You've received the Holy Spirit. You pray in other tongues. Lift your hand. Put your hand down. How many of you would love to receive the Holy Spirit? Lift your hand up. You would love to receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, if, you, if you've not received the Spirit of God and you didn't lift your hand, it means you don't want the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right. You'll be ministered to. Praise the Lord. How many of you are sick? You need healing. Lift your hands. Amen. Lift your hand. You need you need to be healed. Lift your hand. I just want to be sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Amen. Fifteen. So we can have fifteen healings tonight, right? We give you praise. You are the faithful God. The never changing one. You are the Lord. The Lord of hosts. You are the Lord. You are the faithful God. You are the faithful God. And faithful God, the never changing one. The never changing one. You are the Lord. The Lord of oh, You are the Lord again. The whole You are the faithful God. You are the faithful God. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. And it's important for us to know the purpose of his death. Because he died for our benefit. He didn't die for his own benefits. He died for your benefits. Hallelujah. If you didn't benefit from his death, then it seems like the death was in vain. Because he didn't die for himself. He died for me. Say he died for me. He was buried for me. And he rose again for me. Alright. I want to focus on Colossians. Chapter 1. Verse 12. Sorry, 13. I made a mistake. I'll stay there for a while. But I'll read from verse 12. So you have it in context. So my focus is 13. Everybody say 13. Alright, so you don't forget. Are we together? So now, follow me. I won't be speaking for such a long time, but I'll just lay a foundation for what I'll teach tomorrow. Let's read together. I want to go. Giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now I want us to read it from 12 into 13 together. Alright? So we'll go back to 12 now. Read it. One to go. Giving thanks unto the Father which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Alright. A lot has happened here already. Glory to God. I want to talk about deliverance. Amen. According to the New Testament. Amen. <laughs> okay, some of you are laughing. I didn't know what you are laughing about. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've heard so many things said, and I believe that the major challenge a lot of believers have is that they are conflicted in their minds about what the scripture says. There are Three scenarios that always play out in our lives. The first is the scenario of truth. The second is the scenario of the situation. And the third is the scenario of experience.
There are times where your experience is not the truth. Glory to God. And then there are times where your experience is the truth. I'll explain. There are things you have read in God's word. You read it. Then you go out and meet a situation that is contrary to what you just read in scripture. Your response to the situation will determine your experience. Whether your experience will be what the situation has presented or your experience will be the truth that the word has presented. And it is this, this place that believers find themselves that they always start interpreting things based on the situation which becomes their experience. Hallelujah. Are you with me? I believe it was Romans, the third chapter. Let's just read um, um, the first three verses. I want to show you something. What advantage then had the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So, what I want to show you is in verse 4. For what if some did not believe? That means, these oracles of God were committed to these Jews, but some did not believe it as truth. Are we together? He said, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Verse 4, let's read it together. God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sins and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Say, God forbid. Let God be true. And let every situation be a liar. Glory to God. Now, in the area of deliverance, and things that concern the devil is the major area that people always follow the situation and deny the experience uh, and deny the truth of God's word and accept that situation as their experience. We were in a Bible class years ago in the 90s. And then... In that class, we were talking about demonic possession. I was one of the young people in the class at that time. There were much older people in that class. So they were asking questions about whether a believer can be possessed. And I answered. 
Then a man told the story of an experience he had. He said, I, because I quoted the scripture, let me show you the scripture I quoted to them. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, the scripture says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, let's read together please, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So I said, hey, it takes the Holy Spirit for a man to declare the Lordship of Christ over his life. And then I said, well, there was one demon-possessed girl they were casting and she was shouting, Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So he was arguing with that. So I stood up again and gave him the other scripture. Romans 3 verse 4. Let God be true. <laughs> and every man, including you, be a liar. Amen. And I sat down. Now, the point is this. He was using his experience to judge God's word. Hallelujah. I said to him that that experience is no proof that that person was born again or is not born again, as whatever way in which it applies. Are you listening to me? And there are many people here that have those kind of thoughts and those are things I want to address. You say, well, I've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you see, the thing that was worrying my grandfather, that worried my father, is also worrying me. And you say there's nothing like ancestral cause. And that's why I came here today. Colossians 1.13. I'm trying to read it too. Amen. <laughs> Are we ready? Are you sure you're ready for this? Let me start by saying this. There is a devil. Hello? Satan is not an ideology. It's not a concept. It's not an imagination. Satan is a real person. More real than the one that doubts him. Amen? So there's a devil. Are we together? There's a devil. At least Jesus met him. When he was on earth. And Jesus spoke about him. And the conversation Jesus had with him was written. Hallelujah. If thou be the son of God, command these stones to be bred. Jesus was not imagining things. Satan was talking to Jesus. And if Satan could talk to Jesus, he can talk to you. Are you listening to me? Okay. Are, we get, are you getting where we're going now? If Satan could talk to Jesus, he can talk to you. He didn't say, oh, that's the Son of God. No, he spoke to him. He talked to Jesus and Jesus also spoke to demons. Jesus was casting out the devil from a man. And he asked, what's your name? Praise God. I said, he's legion. For we are many. And there were conversations. Oh, please, don't cast me out of the city. I want to remain in Rumeme. <laughs> and Jesus said, okay, and Jesus cast, they, they cast them out. And they went into pigs. And the pigs decided that these demons will not live in us. We would rather die. 
And the pigs ran into the, the river and drowned. Amen. That means they are so unclean that even pigs don't want them inside them. So there are unclean spirits. There are demonic spirits that influence men to make decisions. But you see, what Jesus did for you by his death, burial, resurrection provided an exemption plan for you. Are you with me? Everybody say an exemption plan. If you are listening to me today, and there's anything that has really, really seemingly contradicted all you know about the word of God, this meeting will address it. There are two things that if you break out from that way of thinking, you will enjoy total freedom. One is that you break out from the thinking that you are cursed. Number two is to break out from the thinking that Satan is powerful. At least more powerful than you are. Amen. Amongst believers that think that way, they never enjoy total freedom. You see, everybody in our family, this is what happens to them. So, I am going to look for someone to deliver me. And then they go from one place to the other and pay deliverance fees. And they give them receipts. There are some of you that are laughing now. You've gone there. Nobody saw you, but you're laughing. You're laughing. Amen. You're just sitting down here now. I want to help you. Amen. A lady, sometime last year, um, came to see me. And she's been listening to me. Then she had a, a problem. She wanted to find out something. So she went to a place where they give receipts and paid some money. And the man prayed for her and sprinkled some water on her. She came straight from that. No, she came the next day to see me. And she was shaking. I said, what happened? She said... I went somewhere. I am just realizing that it's a demonic place. I said, how, will you, how, how do you realize it's a demonic place after? She said, because before I got saved, there is a spirit that used to come to me at night and torment me before I got saved. When I got born again, it happened once or twice. When I started coming to hear God's word and coming to churches like this, I, it stopped happening. That night, after he poured that thing on me, the thing came back like it used to be before I got born again. 
So I knew that that place was the wrong place. And she said, please, pray for me. I said, you opened yourself up to demonic spirits. Can a Christian open himself up to demonic spirits? Yes. I said, you opened yourself up to demonic spirits. And you know, the amazing thing is that you don't even have to go to a juju house for you to open yourself up to demonic spirits. The Bible says, bitterness and envy is enough, amen, for every evil work to be stirred up around you. Did you hear me? Bitterness and envy stir up demonic spirits around you. It's the same way death attracts flies. Amen. You find that in the book of James. So I want to show you the position of God's word. I want to show you what the scripture says about deliverance. Amen. But I started by telling you that devils are real. Everybody say devils are real. If you think they are not real, you are not real. Demons are real. You know, they will like it if you don't know that they are real. And you live like they are not real. They will like you on that way. That's one extreme. The other extreme is that they will like you to know they are real and be afraid of them. Are you understanding me? On the other way. You know, there are some people that, that, that Christians are always walking like this. Blood, 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 blood. You understand? There are people that are Christians like that. You understand that? If something just shakes, ah! They have come for me. You are not living in faith. The just shall not live by fear. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Hi. You know what faith is? Do you know what faith is? Faith is not that you are with a gun looking for where the devil is. That's not faith. <laughs> There's an Old Testament scripture that I love so much. It says that the work of righteousness, Isaiah 32, 17, the work of righteousness shall be peace. Amen. That means that when you have right standing with God, what will come out of it is peace. Then he said, the effects of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. That's faith. Amen. Are we together? That's faith. Quietness and assurance. When you go and sleep this night, you know you wake up tomorrow morning. Hello? I said, you know you wake up tomorrow morning. As you live here tonight, you know you will get home. Are you listening to me? Quietness and assurance. You don't say, in the name of Jesus, I must get home. You know, I must wake up while you are sleeping in the night. You say, I cover all my windows and the, in your cell, and the leaking roof and everywhere that spirits can enter from. 
What are you talking? You are in fear. Some people always pray when they want to travel. Like it's, the devil only kills people that travel. <laughs> Have you not seen people that were in their house and Satan came there to kill them? Amen. <laughs> As we're about to take off in this aircraft, I cover the left wing of the aircraft. I cover the right wing of the aircraft. I cover the, 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 the co-pilot, the pilot. You will cover, cover and forget one person. <laughs> you see something. If you are dependent on your works, your works will always fail you. You say, you know, anytime I travel, I make sure I anoint my four tires. One day, you will forget the third tire. Or you will anoint the four tires. Then you change and brought out the spare tire that you did not anoint. <laughs> and then, this tire. <laughs> This tire. <laughs> Amen. I hear some people have been drinking oil. And adding weight. Some of those practices are more out of fear than they are responses of faith. Now don't misunderstand me. There are faith responses, prophetic actions that people take by the promptings of the Spirit. And they are not by, because of fear. Amen. Amen. Are we together? And sometimes it happens once in a while. It's not a routine that someone does every day. Are you understanding me? So what does the Bible say? First of all, Satan is a defeated foe. Everybody say he's a defeated foe. Say it again, he's a defeated foe. So let's go back to our scripture. I'm trying to get there. Colossians 1. Let me read from 12 to 13. 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which had made us meet, that's qualified us, to be what? Partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That means that he has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance that all, every other saint that is in the light has. Hallelujah. Now, remember, go back, go back, go back, because remember, he said the saints in the light. In light. The saints in light. The saints in light. Where are the saints? In light. Which, um, 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 what? Are we partaking of the inheritance? Inheritance of what? Of the saints. Of the saints where? In lights. We are partakers. God has qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance. That means that that thing, that property, that allocation for the saints in light, you are a partaker of it. That means that everything that belongs to the saints belongs to you. You are not a deprived saint. 
I said you are not a deprived saint. No, no, you are not a deprived saint. It means you are a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. He is not saying that there are some saints in light and some are not in light. No. He says these saints are in light. Amen. Are we together? Now, understand he has introduced light there. Because of what he wants to say next. He said, who had, this God, who had, who had delivered us from what? The power of darkness. He had already told you you are in light. You are in light. Say I'm in light. How did you get there? You were delivered from somewhere. In the New Testament, one of the greatest things you should pay attention to in the New Testament are the tenses. Is it past tense? Is it present tense? Is it future tense? Hello? Whenever you see any statement made in the New Testament that concerns you, observe whether it's past tense, whether it's present tense, whether it's future tense. Are you listening to me? Now, listen. Why is that so? Because there are some things that don't belong to today. There are some things that belong to the future. There are some things that belong to the past. In the Old Testament, they were given promises. In the New Testament, we are living in the promises. We are not giving promises. We have the reality of the promises. Are you listening to me? They were given promises. They are giving promises. Now, the Bible says, in Christ, all the promises are given. A yea and amen. Meaning that all the promises, they are now sure for us. The promise is like a check. We are in the cash. Amen. Are you listening to me? Checks were given. Oh, okay. By post-dated checks. Are you understanding me? The Old Testament had post-dated checks. In the New Testament, the checks have been cashed. Are you listening to me? The checks have been cashed. They've been cashed. We're living in the reality of the promises. You must understand that. And that's why we teach about what we call the present day ministry of Jesus. What's Jesus doing today? Oh, what's the Holy Spirit doing today? You might have heard us talk about what we call the legal side of redemption and and the vital side of redemption. What are we talking about? Legal side of redemption simply means what God through the death, burial, and resurrection had done for us. Hallelujah. Are we together? What has been done? The documentation that allows us to enjoy the benefits. What was done for us is the legal side of our redemption. From when Jesus was crucified up until he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. That's the legal side of redemption. What happened? Himself took our infirmities. It didn't happen in 2018. It didn't happen in 2000. It didn't happen in Nigeria independence. It happened 2000 years ago. That was legal. Amen. The legal side of redemption. What was done for us? Even before we knew, even before we were born, that was done for us. But now, there is also what we call the vital side of our redemption. The vital side of redemption has to do with what the Holy Spirit, through the message you hear, is doing in your heart now. But whatever he's doing in your heart now and in your life now is based on the legal side of redemption. Are you listening to me? 
based on what was done. So, I come back to truth, experience, situation. Truth is that that legal side of redemption is being done. What the Holy Ghost does for you is to bring you into that experience of truth. Amen. By his stripes I am healed, but your body is sick. The vital side of redemption is that you sit in a service and you hear the message. And then the Holy Spirit makes by his stripes you are healed real to your body. Amen. Are you listening to me? If that gap is missing, then you are not experiencing salvation. Amen. You are practicing religion. So, we have the past tense, present tense, and future tense. Even in the ministry of Christ. Jesus, you know, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, permit me, you know that there are only three categories of people that have the anointing upon them. In the New Testament, all believers are anointed. Amen. The Bible says you have an unction. Say, I have an unction. From the Holy One. But it's not everybody that was anointed in the Old Testament. Only the prophets, the king, the priest, and the king, which is a type of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Should I show you that typology? Let me explain it this way to you. You know, Jesus also was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Amen. Or is. Are you with me? And prophet, king, and priest is symbolic of the past, present, and future ministry of Christ. When Jesus came to this world, he came like an Old Testament prophet. Hallelujah. Are we together? Are we together? He was called the servants. If you read Isaiah 52, um, um, 1, 2, 3, three verses to the last verse, it talks about, I think verse 12, it talks about how, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He called him my servant. It was Jesus was talking about. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Amen. So he's talking about, he's talking about verse 13, not 12. He's talking about, about Jesus. So Jesus came as a servant. And that's why some people were wondering, is he Elijah? Is he Jeremiah? Because he was functioning like a prophet. Amen. Am I communicating? So, up until Jesus died, he was like a prophet. And they saw him around John the Baptist that also was a prophet. Hallelujah. So, that was the prophetic phase of Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus died and took his blood and went to offer it. Then he entered his priesthood ministry. And today, he's still our high priest. When he returns, he will return as king. So, the past ministry of Jesus was prophetic. The present ministry of Jesus is a high priestly ministry. And the future ministry of Jesus is his kingship. Prophet, priest, and king. But that's not where we were going to. I just wanted to bring you to a place. That the tenses, everybody say tenses. Matter. Is he saying it, he has done it? Is he saying he is doing it? Is he saying he will do it? It matters. So let's examine that in Colossians 1.13. Alright, help me with the tenses now. Who had delivered us? Is it present tense, future tense, or past tense? I know some of you, it's long you went to school, so you have forgotten. 
Okay, it's past tense. Amen. Who had? I know some of you, because you're reading it in King James, you're not used to H-A-T-H. So let's put it in um, 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 New King James Version, N-K-J-V. Alright, so we'll look at it in N-K-J-V. Alright. Let's read together. I want to go. He has delivered us, hallelujah, from the power of darkness. So, he has. What does it mean? Is it is this something that's going to happen in the future? Is this something that's happening now? When, when did it happen? In the past. Hallelujah. Ever say in the past. That's the legal side of redemption. Now, what the scripture is saying is that when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again, you were delivered. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. I said you were delivered. Before your great grandfather was born that joined Juju, you were already delivered. Oh, before your father was born, you were already delivered. That means that God delivered you before they said you entered anything. Are you getting the picture? He said, he has delivered us. That is truth. That is truth. Situation is the family you were born into. Situation is the family you came and met. You came into a family, your father has calabash on the, on the television. Your grandmother has, are you understanding me? Your grandmother has a tortoise in her room. That's where you were, that's the situation you met. Now, you, the situation is contrary to a truth. Are we together? Okay, now, you go to church, you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you go back home, and then, the same things that were happening to your father seem to be happening to you. That's the situation. But you will choose your experience. You will choose your experience. You will choose whether your experience will be the situation or the truth. That's where the vital side of redemption comes in. What the Holy Ghost, through the message of the gospel, does in your hearts. Why is the Holy Ghost called the spirit of truth? He's called the spirit of truth because he's the one that makes redemption real to your life. Redemption will be fictitious to you until the Holy Ghost makes it real. Are you listening to me? It will be like story. It will be like a tale. It will be like a myth until the Holy Ghost makes it real. When you sit in the place as you are sitting now and you are hearing messages, you are hearing the word of God, what is the word of God trying to do? To convince you of reality. Because the world you live in is, hey, see, the world you came out of is more real than the world you're living in. What I'm saying is this. The spirit realm is more real than the physical realm. All the things your eyes see are subject to change. Every situation you found yourself in is subject to change. But you know what? What the devil has succeeded in doing is to convince you that it is more real than what the Bible said. Amen. So, the fight of faith the fight of faith is for you to lay hold on that the reality of truth. Amen. As against the situation that you see every day. Am I communicating? You wake up in the morning and then you look around you. The situation is contrary to the word of God. But thank God we can choose our experience. I said thank God we can choose our experience. Oh, I pray that God opens your eyes to see the power that God has given to the church. When he said, look, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What he was saying was that this church will advance. 
This church will make progress. You are the church. Then he said, to this church, I have given power, authority, the keys of the kingdom. Whatsoever the church will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What he's saying is that the church will choose her experience. The Bible didn't say what heaven binds is what you will bind. No. He said, if you say you don't want this thing, heaven will say, he said he doesn't want it. We agree with him. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. If you say, oh, oh, I don't want this heredity. I don't want this genetic disease in my body. Heaven will say, yes, he doesn't want it. Are you listening to me? He said, eh, I don't want that same, that same situation that I've always seen around my family members. Heaven will say, he said he doesn't want it. Because before you were born, God had delivered you. Amen. The Greek word delivered. Go back to King James. The Greek word delivered. Who had delivered? Delivered. Romai. Romai. It actually means that you have been seized from someone that was oppressing you. Amen. You have been rescued. Are you understanding me? You've been taken by force. Are you listening to me? So, the Bible says you have been what? Delivered. You were not delivered Time will fail me to show you all that you've been delivered from. It's not only the power of darkness you are delivered from. You are the totally delivered one. You didn't hear me well. I said you are the totally delivered one. Do you know you have been delivered from the law? Romans 7, 6, put it up. You have been delivered from the law. All right? But I know the one you really want to know is power of darkness. So I will come back there. Let's read this together. Let me just show you something. But now, we are delivered from the law. Did you see that? We are de- that being dead, where we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Say, I've been delivered from the law. Now, you, 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 I know some of you don't know what it means to be delivered from the law. That's the one that you should even say amen to. Amen. Because the law is worse than the, uh, the, the darkness. You didn't hear me well. I said the law, the law is worse than the power of darkness. Because the law is God's law. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The law is God's law. So it is more dangerous than the power of darkness. Now, the Bible told you that you have been delivered from the law. What did the law, what's the law? The demands of the law. The penalty that comes from not fulfilling the law. Christ came. He said, I did not come to destroy the law. I'm quoting Matthew 5.17. I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. That means that, hey, how were you delivered? The law has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Amen. Are we we together? That means that if the Lord demanded that, listen, listen to me. If the Lord demanded that, lift your left hand, lift your right leg, left leg, jump with one leg like this. Amen. Jesus came and said, what, what, what are they supposed to do? Lift. He said, he did it. Yeah. Is this all? Is this all? Until where? Here. Stop. I fulfilled it. They are free. Amen. You have been delivered from the law. Every demand the law made on you, Jesus came to fulfill it so that you will be free. So, it's not that you are breaking the law. You have fulfilled it. You have fulfilled it. Why? Because Christ has fulfilled it. This is what we call our identification in Christ. Our identification in Christ talks about what our oneness with Christ has provided us. Jesus joined our sin and we joined his righteousness. Amen. 
Are we together? He said, he said, we, we were crucified with Christ. Amen. Galatians 2.20. We were crucified. Crucified does not mean die, you know. The crucifixion talks about the shame and the suffering Jesus went through before he died. And we were, that means that when Jesus was carrying that cross, that's why the Bible told us about how Isaac also was on his way to be crucified, or to, on his way to, to be sacrificed. It was a picture of Jesus. He had his own wood on his neck. And Abraham was leading him. That's how the father was leading Jesus to the cross. Amen. Now, when Jesus was carrying that, that cross and he was being whipped, the Bible is saying that in a figure you were with him. Amen. That you went through what he went through. Because he was going through it for you. For by one man sin entered into the world. Amen. And death by sin. And sin had come, and death had come upon all men. That means that when Jesus was being crucified, you were being crucified with him. Are you listening to me? The crucifixion is a punishment. It's a suffering. Crucifixion is a horror. Any Jew that hears crucifixion, he will shake. Jesus was crucified. And you were crucified with him. You were crucified with him. Then Jesus died. You died with him. Are you listening to me? When he died, you died with him. That death is that God, the Father. You know, Jesus, you know, some of you don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's God incarnate. Are you understanding me? He's the Word made flesh. It means that he cannot die. If you pass him through, he won't die. If you cut off his head, he won't die. But you know what? The only way Jesus could die was that your sin had to be laid on him. You didn't hear me well. So, when they put Jesus on that cross, your sins were laid on him. And when your sins were laid on him, God the Father had to be separated from him. And that's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the first death. The first death is the separation from the Father. As he was separated from the Father, now his body could now die. Are you listening to me? Because... He had died spiritually, he could not die physically. Why does the Bible tell you that a man that is not born again is dead? Because he's separated from God. So Jesus died, and you died with him. Then Jesus was buried. Hey, your burial had happened a long time ago. You were buried with him. Why do you think you get baptized in water? It's symbolic of burial. When you go and say, they dip you in water and bring you out there saying that you have been buried with Jesus Christ and you have risen up with him again. Amen. It's an outward sign of what happens. Amen. In the death and burial of Jesus Christ. If you're not baptized in water, be baptized. Amen. Then the Bible says, Jesus was made alive. Quickened by the Holy Ghost. He said, you also made alive with him. Then Jesus was raised up. You were raised up with him. You know where Jesus ended? He's seated. Amen. I said he's seated. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you are seated with him. That's our identification in Christ Jesus. Are you seeing the picture here? You are seated with him. You are seated with him. Now, why did we come all here? Now, he said, you have been rescued. He had brought you out. He had delivered you. I went to explain to you that he was delivered from the law. But 
we're coming back to Colossians 1.13. He said, who had delivered us from the power of darkness? Ever say power of darkness? Hey, hey, hey. Say power of darkness. The word there is not supposed to be power. But for lack of a better expression, they use power. In the Greek, there are two words. Exousia and dunamis. Dunamis is power. Alright? Power. Ability. Exousia is authority. What was used here was exousia. So he's saying that you have been delivered from the authority that darkness has over you. If darkness had any authority over you, over you, you have been delivered from it. And was there a time darkness had authority over you? Yes. Amen. But what Jesus did has delivered you. How that deliverance becomes real to you, the day you got born again, you have signed in for the deliverance. Amen. Are you listening to me? They call it checking in. Amen. You have checked in. You can buy a ticket, but you didn't take the flight. Are you listening to me? You can buy a plane ticket. Someone can buy you a plane ticket, but you didn't join the flight. You didn't board the, board the plane. You didn't board the plane. Now, the day you got born again, you checked in. Everybody say, I checked in. Glory to God. You checked in. The ticket must have been bought 2,000 years ago. But you checked in in 2018. Are we together? You checked in when you got born again. That means from now you are ready to fly. Your deliverance was bought 2,000 years ago. Then you got born again. You checked in. So, he said, from the authority of darkness. From the authority of darkness. That means that anything, any hold or influence, darkness, we've had over you, you have been brought out of it. So, what does that mean? It means that if you meet a situation that tries to convince you that you have not been delivered from the power of darkness, what should your response be? Amen. Because your response will determine your experience. The experience you are having now is because of your response. When in one of those things that happens sometimes, no, you say it's not one of those things. The only thing that happens to me is what Christ has done for me. Amen. And I insist that I have been delivered. No, if someone insists today, I insist that I have been delivered. Say it again, I insist. That have been delivered. From what? From the power of darkness. Remember that darkness is associated to the devil. Light is associated with Christ. That's why I told you, you have been delivered from the power of darkness and have translated us into where? The kingdom. That means darkness is the opposite of the kingdom of his dear son. Give me 1 Peter 2, 9. That will be my last scripture. 
Satan doesn't want you to be hearing these kind of messages. Amen. I say he doesn't want you to be hearing these kind of messages. Because he doesn't want you to know you are free. Let's read together. I want to go. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should speak for the praises of him who has what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of what? Let me tell two people, out of darkness is out of darkness. Out of darkness. Out of darkness. Into where? Marvelous light is talking about his wonder walking lights. So you have been delivered. Now let me tell you something. You have to accept what Jesus has done for you. Are we together? That you have been delivered. He said, in the night, something used to make noise in my house. My grandmother said it used to worry her. My great-grandmother said it used to worry her. You know? That's the situation. Let's change the experience today. Amen. I said, let's change the experience today. <laughs> Some of you will go back home this evening. You open your door. Say, Satan! Out in the name of Jesus! Because he has been squatting in your self-contained. He has no accommodation. And you that is a tenant is also a landlord. Because you are housing some spirits. Amen. It's from your house. They go and find trouble and come back. Amen. Are we together? Ah, it's getting late, so let's go back home. <laughs> if they are filling form somewhere, it's your address they are writing. If you say write your residence, uh, residence, residence. okay, number four, <laughs> is your house address they are writing. That's where they stay. <laughs> Tabiro said, not anymore. <laughs> Knowledge is powerful. Jesus, the, the scripture said in Hosea 4, 6, he said, my people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The scripture I'm looking for. Um, please just check for me. Isaiah 5.13. If it's not there, then I'll let it be. Okay, that's the correct one. Let's read together. Go. Want to go? Therefore, my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. That means when knowledge comes, they will come out of captivity. Someone is coming out of captivity today. You see, I had a dream. In my dream, somebody came and tied my left leg. When I woke up, the leg now refused to be straight. And that's how I've been walking since. My friend, you say, lose my leg. Amen. I lose my leg. It's my leg. I lose my leg. Who is coming to tie your leg? You lose your leg. How will something come and tie your leg in your dream in your house? Abba! You didn't hear me well. I said, how will something come and tie your leg in your own dream? 
in your own house. No, no, no. Maybe I'm asking somebody. You don't understand me. How is something come and tie whose leg? Your leg. In whose dream? Satan, go to your own dream. In my dream. Where was I dreaming the dream? In my house. your own house not anymore say again not anymore say I have been delivered from the power of darkness I have been delivered from demonic holes I am free glory to God You are not about to be delivered. They are not having a committee meeting deciding on your deliverance. No! Your deliverance has been signed into law. The parliament of heaven has passed the bill. You are delivered. The parliament of heaven has passed the bill. You are delivered. When you wake up, when you live here now, you walk like a delivered man. There's a, <laughs> don't walk like an escaped, you know? Have you seen where they caught a monkey with a trap? Or a squirrel? With a trap in a bush. He's caught in trap. Then he's struggling to be free. So when he's free, he'll be running like this. Ah, so that nobody will catch him again. <laughs> you are not a squirrel. <laughs> he will run like this. So that nobody will catch him again. <laughs> you are not escaping. No. You were delivered. That means that Satan was overpowered. And then you were taken away. It's not that they came when Satan was not there. And took it. Then he came and said, eh? Where is he? Then you are hiding. Let him not see me. No, no, no. He will see you. But you are on the other side. And I declare in the name of Jesus. Those nightmares, they cease. Demons crawling in people's homes. Crawling around in people's offices. Right now in the name of Jesus. We suspend such activity. In the name of Jesus. Every spirit. Attacking your finances. Attacking things that are of value to you. We suspend the activity. All foul spirits. Afflicting your body. From the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. I command them to leave. Now in the name of Jesus. I free your mind in the name of Jesus. I free your lungs in the name of Jesus. I free your limbs in the name of Jesus. I free your blood in the name of Jesus. I free your joints in the name of Jesus. You spirits, 
of sickness and infirmity. I break your hold on that body now. Out in Jesus' name. Right now I take authority. Be gone. Be gone. Be gone. In the name of Jesus Christ. I declare you are free. I declare everyone under the sound of my voice is free. I come today. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he had anointed me to set at liberty them that are bound. And everyone that has been bound in any way, physically, mentally, or spiritually, I declare you are free. The opening of prisons to them that are bound. In any way you've been locked down, you are free. I break the chains in the name of Jesus. And you are loose in Jesus name. If you have been stagnant, you've not been able to make progress. I stand today and stand with you and take authority. From today, that stagnancy is over. In the name of Jesus Christ. Freedom has come. Freedom has come. Rejoice in your deliverance. Freedom has come. 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 Things have been for 30 years. They are broken tonight. Things have been for 20 years. They are broken tonight. Things have been for 10 years. They are broken tonight. There's an adult here. You've been weaned on the bed. You're an adult. You've been weaned on the bed. It's an embarrassing situation. It's a demonic situation. Today, that shame is lifted. And that satanic hold is broken in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are free. You are free. There's someone here, you are listening to me. It looks like sometimes, you know, you're having issues. You're feeling like you're losing your mind. That spirit of insanity, I break the hold of that spirit over your mind. I declare you free in the name of Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. That infection in your body that has refused to pass out. As I speak now, it passes out. I curse that infection. It dies from the roots. And it passes out of your body. In the name of Jesus Christ. You are free. You are free. We celebrate our deliverance tonight. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Thank you,